0: I'm going to continue my sermon series today on the fruit of the Spirit, and today it's on gentleness, gentleness. Now, this is what God has given us in salvation. Uh, You actually have the Holy Spirit, once you're saved, living within your heart. Uh, It's God in residence in your life. Uh, Do you sense his presence? Because you should. You should sense his presence. Uh, this is important that you do. And this is the point of the fruit of the Spirit. He has given you these various characteristics, the characteristic of God. And so you have within you the gentleness of God. Now, the fruit does not grow overnight. It takes a while to blossom, but you ought to know that that is what God has done. And so gentleness now, you see, is very close to patience. It is not surprising that both of them are included in the fruit of the Spirit in the list that Paul gives us. Now let's look at the similarity and the difference uh, between them. Uh, and I think it's, it's poignant. If patience is the ability to endure hostility and criticism without anger, then gentleness, you see, is the ability to endure such things without anger. Aggression. Gentleness shows itself when I have learned the Christ like qualities in my life. The way to respond to quarrels, conflicts, slander, uh, rejection, unfairness, and harsh words. All of those that are generally speaking by men of the world towards us, this is how we are meant to respond with gentleness. This becomes an important thing for you to understand. Uh, we do not respond in bluster. We do not respond with aggressive words, but rather with softness, controlling our tongue and my temper. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, he's he's way off base. This is impossible. We might as well close in prayer and leave right now. I can't do this. Well, if a guy from New Jersey who spent his life in court can tell you this, I think you can take it. You can take it. Because there's no question, this is how God wants us to live. And it's not impossible, it is very possible, because he has given you the very characteristic in your heart. Now, gentleness, you see, means being aware that the other person you're speaking to is human, and has feelings, and maybe is hurting, and maybe the reason they're responding the way they are is because they are hurting, and they're being nasty and vindictive, and God wants you to see what it's like to walk in their shoes, to restrain yourself. Uh, Gentleness really is power under restraint. Gentleness is not being a wuss, all right? We're not talking about being a wuss, being a weakling. Rather, we're talking about being powerful, but having the power under restraint, all right, as the Holy Spirit of God restrains us and restrains our tongues so that we don't level, level those people that we're dealing with so that we can bring them to conviction through the Holy Spirit. A gentle response, you see, can be strong, firm, and clear, but without rage, And Jesus spent a lifetime doing that and showing us how to live. Gentleness, you see, is also very close to humility. Uh, And sometimes they come together. See what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle be patient, bearing with one another in love. I love the way he has phrased that, being a prisoner of the Lord, a prisoner for the Lord. And that's what we are. We're prisoners for the Lord. We are called. We are strained. We are restrained. We have the quality of God within us, the very characteristics of God. We must be humble. We must be gentle. We must be patient especially so when we deal with one another here in the church, and especially so when we meet people in the world who we want to encourage to come to Jesus Christ. Now, it was not always like this in the popular culture historically. And so if you go back into the ancient world uh, and you look at the standards of the ancient world, gentleness was not revered. Uh, Gentleness may have been kind of a grudging sort of virtue for Aristotle, but it was not a virtue that was embraced by the ancient Romans or the ancient Greeks. Uh, Humility was not considered a virtue at all. In fact, humility was generally perceived as a vice. You're a weakling if you were humble in the uh, early days uh, of history. Real men were strong, were powerful, were dominant. Boasting about your superiority was well expected uh, and what, what it was supposed to be received in society. Uh, being someone who was gentle and benign was not looked out in any way to be revered. Real men were winners. And that was the culture in which Jesus came, and that was the culture in which Paul wrote about the fruit of the Spirit. So subtly... And dangerously, I want you to understand, the culture and its heroes shapes our thinking and our attitude. Sadly, even today, some Christian leaders act in a dominant, superior uh, manner uh, and, and act in a way that, not, that is not at all Christ-like. Uh, and we can see this. There are some pastors that head up Christian organizations that are dictators, that pronounce, make pronouncements that they expect people to follow in compliance without reaching out in love, without reaching out in gentleness. There is no humility, and you wonder why these people uh, are not getting success. Uh, the very characteristics of Jesus Christ are very far from their personality and from their words, but not for you. Uh, the Bible, you see, presents a very different idea. Uh, Jesus said it first, and then Paul wrote about it at length. It was countercultural then, and it is still countercultural today. Uh, Paul's list of the fruit of the Spirit would have stunned many of his contemporaries, but it doesn't stun us today because we have the Holy Spirit that commends it to our hearts. In fact, it is only the power and influence of, of Christ himself through the Holy Spirit with the gospel that is influencing the society today, that causes us to have qualities of humility and gentleness in every possible way. Ultimately, of course, you see, it is because of the character of Jesus Christ that we can act this way. He modeled the incredible strength of true gentleness and humility that led to this slow transformation of a cultural norm. Something that has once been regarded as weak and to be despised is now regarded by Christians as the primary characteristic of what Christ would want us to be in their lives. Now, you know, I have a testimony in my own life about this. I know you may be surprised, but I was not born a gentle person. I spent most of my professional career career being the opposite of being gentle. In fact, I was hired because major corporations recognized that I had an ability to rip people apart on the stand. That's how I made my career, Uh, and and that's how I was known. And, And I tell you, it was very rare, but at one time, I represented both General Motors and the Ford Motor Company at the same time in court. That's unheard of. But there was only one reason they wanted me. It was because they knew that when I went into court, I would take no prisoners. Now, let me give you a small insight into what that meant. One time as I was about to put a case in court on a major uh, hotel, I saw this man who was an expert witness who was going to testify in my case against me Get up and rip older people apart. They had some smaller cases first, and he was just abusing them, ripping them apart uh, in a disgraceful way. It was a bully, and my blood boiled. And so I went up to him quietly uh, where no one can hear, and I whispered in his ear very clearly, If you get up and attempt to speak in my case, I will rip out your windpipe. The case gets called, we put it on, and amazingly, the man doesn't speak. And the judge goes, Mr. Jones, don't you have anything to add? No, I don't have it." <laughs> but you spoke before and all these, I don't have anything to add. So when I got done with the case, I was convicted. I was convicted that I had acted in a, in a harsh way. I went up to him a, and, I, and I said, well, I'm sorry, please forgive me. He put his hands down, he wouldn't shake my hand. And the judge saw him, and the judge says, Mr. Jones, that is outrageous. Mr. Garippa reached out to you civilly to shake your hand, and you acted like that? You should be ashamed of yourself. And his lawyer said, yes, but you didn't hear what Garippa said before he got up. And I went, well, I don't know what he's talking about. But now do you understand how God changes you through the fruit of the Spirit? All right. Yes, that's a basic characteristic that I have. But through the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God is changing me every day, and that quality of gentleness is is bubbling up. And I'll give you another example of that. In the last church that many of us were together, you know that I had been viciously slandered uh, publicly. Falsehoods had been said about me, and many of us were forced to leave that terrible situation by the leadership of that church, and so there came a time when they were publicly saying these things about me, and it had gotten all over the United States through the internet, and so Christianity Today magazine called me up and wanted to interview me. Now, do you think that John Garippa that spent his life in court would refrain from being interviewed when I could level the landscape? <laughs> but I did. I said, no, no, I don't want to be interviewed. I don't want to do anything that would detract from the ministry that I knew God had given me. I would let God fight my battles. You understand that? I'd let God make what's right. I didn't have to do it, God would do it. And the very evidence of God's hand is right here in this church. The problem is, I think I may have gone a little too far because now if I pick up a card from Hallmark, I start crying. But I'm sure he's got his hands on that as well. And so that's the point. This is how God wants you to act. Power under restraint. Not being a wuss, but restraining yourself. Now let's look at the Old Testament. Gentleness is probably not the first quality you think of uh, to describe God in the Old Testament, but really it is. The psalmists often speak of God uh, in gentle terms as a gentle shepherd who would pick up the sheep and carry them through dark times, leading them to calm waters. Look at Psalm 23, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. What a great picture that is of the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, and God himself, picking you and carrying you and guiding you in gentleness and in love and in humility. Isaiah, a great prophet, uh, 700 years before Christ would be born, gives us the same passage in another picture in Isaiah chapter 40, where he says about God, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. He gently leads. He doesn't force his way, but he does it gently in such a gentle way. And so God is gentle like a parent. He knows that his children are weak and vulnerable. Look at Psalm 103, verse 13. As a father, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. God knows your dust. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your flaws. Yet gently, he loves you and cares for you and brings you closer to the cross every day of your life. Look at that picture of the Israelites as they had spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Uh, and now as they had come and ready to go into the promised land, they still had concerns. They still had complaints. Look what, look what uh, God said there in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 31. And in the wilderness there you saw how the Lord your God carried you. As a father carries his son, all the way you went until you reached this place. He carried you. For 40 years, he brought you through the Red Sea. He gave you water and food every day in the desert. Uh, He kept your clothes from wearing out. He kept your feet from swelling. He kept your sandals from wearing out. Can you imagine that God was so gentle that he cared about even those basic instincts and issues that we face as human beings. And you see that that's the example of God. That's how much he loves you in his gentle love. Look also at the example of Elijah, that powerful example where he had, he had brought down fire and saw that fire consume the 800 prophets of Baal uh, that Jezebel was pushing. Uh, and yet, when Jezebel then threatened to kill him, he flees. Uh, and he's in fear of his life. He winds up being under a juniper tree there by himself, asking God to let him die, and God reaches out to him. And what does God do? First, he feeds him. Then he makes him sleep, and he does this several times, recognizing that he needed this, that he was dust, that God needed to do that. He cared for him, giving him sleep and giving him food. Then God took him back to Mount Sinai, and there at Mount Sinai, God demonstrated his power, first with an earthquake then with fire, uh, then with a powerful wind, and finally, finally in a still, small voice, God spoke to him and said, I love you. Your work is not done. Uh, It was a gentle whisper. Do you see how gentle God is, knowing how we are, the weaknesses that we have? Now, the greatest example of gentleness uh, is found in our Lord Jesus Christ. In every aspect of his life, Jesus could speak the truth very boldly and confront people with great strength. Look at what he did at the temple when he saw the money changers, and he did that twice where he went in there, threw the money changers out, upturned all the temple because he saw that God's house was being defiled. He did that with the greatest amount of boldness, yet, time and time again. Jesus reached out gently uh, even when his enemies taunted him and abused him uh, and, and belittled him. But Jesus never belittled or bullied anyone. One of the best loved sayings of Jesus is found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's an autobiographical statement about who Jesus is. I am humble and I am gentle. Take my yoke upon me. Follow me. Be part of what I'm doing Uh, And you will find rest for your souls. God knows what we need. We need rest for our souls. We need to be uplifted and affirmed. And God does that. And he did it with Jesus Christ in a powerful way. Now, Jesus was always insistent that he did not come to abolish the law. He did not come to abolish the prophets, but rather he came to fulfill them. He was the very embodiment of the fulfillment of all the law that you found in the Old Testament. He was the perfect teacher, the perfect model in every possible way. Uh, And what you see in Jesus is this embodiment of compassion and love and gentleness and obedience to serving God. And God is saying that if you take his yoke upon you, you will be able to follow Jesus. You'll be able to walk with him and, and you will feel this gentleness. You will exhibit this gentleness. Now, following Jesus this is important, means becoming more and more like him every day of your life. You want to be characterized uh, by his gentleness and humility of Christ. There's not one example in the Bible where God used a proud and arrogant man. Not one. You want to be used by God? You have to be humble. You have to be submissive. You have to be obedient. Uh, And this becomes the very Christ likeness that God demands of us through the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He gave it to you. It's in your heart right now. And you need to let it grow and blossom. Uh, Look at the example of Jesus when he met the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. And I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories about Jesus. Because here he is meeting a Samaritan woman, a pariah to a Jew. No respecting Jew would ever speak to a Samaritan, lest even a woman. And so here he is at the well, and this Samaritan woman is there, and Jesus has a discussion with her. And at some point, Jesus says to her, you have had five husbands, and the man you're living with right now is not your husband. Now, if you just read the words, you might say, oh, God, that's a little confrontational. I can't believe you would say that. But she didn't take it that way. So it must have been done in love, and I believe that it was. Jesus did it in a loving, gentle way. And I believe the reason for that was that in that culture, the power to divorce was not in the hands of a woman. It was in the hands of a man. And so the men determined who they would divorce. And so for all we know, this woman could have been a victim of five other men's. Yet she respected what the Lord said as true uh, and recognized that this man knew something about her life that nobody else was. Nobody else could ever understand that. And so it was such a great impetus to her life. She goes back into the town and leads the entire town to salvation through Jesus Christ. You understand what it means to lead people in gentleness Look, this is the lesson for you. You all want to be able to lead people to Christ. But don't go out in the world and be harsh. Don't go out and say, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. Look at you. Look at all the sins in your life. You make me sick. You're a loser. Now, I knew people that used to do this. All right, Who's going to want to go to church with you? You understand? You think that's going to embrace people when they see you talk like that? But instead, when you speak the way Jesus speaks, even to this woman, even when he spoke truthfully, she was drawn to him because he did it with gentleness and with kindness. And she recognized, I am in the presence of God himself. I am in the presence of uh, the Messiah. Now, even less acceptable to the culture, you understand, was the story of the Syrophoenician woman in Mark chapter 7. Now, here she is. She's a Gentile. She's not part of, of the Jewish community. Uh, and she recognizes that Jesus is in residence uh, in this, in this uh, chapter in Mark, Mark chapter 7, verse 24, and we'll read it. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre, He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it yet so that he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Imagine this. She's not a Jew, Jesus had been called to the Jews. He had restricted himself to speaking to the Jews first. The Jews were called to be the messengers, the evangelical messengers of Christ. Uh, And so that was his call to do that first. Uh, And so Jesus now responds to this woman, this non-Jewish woman, uh, with this request. And if you read the words, the words sound a little harsh. And the words are in Mark chapter 7 verse 27. First, Jesus said, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Whoa. Wow, that seems a little harsh, Jesus. Tossing the children's bread to the dogs? In other words, I came here to feed the Jews first. The, the the word of God is going to the Jews first. I don't take the word of God and then toss it to those that are not Jews. Uh, but you see, you can't just take the words out of context. You have to recognize the spirit and the love and the gentleness that God spoke there. We don't hear the tone of his words, and we don't see the look in his eye. Uh, I rather imagine that Jesus looked at her had kind of a twinkle uh, in his eye uh, which communicated to the woman something like this. And I'll, I'll transpose it uh, and something like this. You know, Jesus is saying, I have to say something like this, me being a Jew and you being a Gentile, but are you going to be content with that as an answer or will you push back at me? Let me see your faith. Let me see how much you really have faith in in me. And so she takes the hint, you see, as Jesus responds in gentleness and love and replies with great logic. And I love this statement, and this is found in Mark 7, verse 28. Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. How about that? Even the dogs under the table, eat the children's uh, food, eat the children's crumbs. Uh, And so God had created Israel precisely uh, to be the messenger of all nations, to spread the word of God, but they failed miserably. And so Jesus, apparently sharp words to this woman, brought her faith into full view. And as soon as Jesus recognizes her faith, he tells her, your daughter is cured. And she comes home and she sees her daughter lying peacefully on her bed. That is your Jesus. That is how he acts. And so the gentleness of Jesus was tested most uh, severely during his arrest, trial, and crucifixion. Uh, When he was arrested, he could have called 12 legions of angels down to defend themselves, as the Bible tells us that, uh, as he faced the trial before the Roman court, and then before the Jewish court. He could have answered every charge with an angry rebuttal. Can you imagine? The creator of the world. Uh, and yet he begged God to forgive them. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is the gentleness of Christ. That is the spirit of God that he has given you in your own heart. Uh, and, and there, even on the cross, as he's dying, he turns to his mother and says to his mother, my, my apostle John will take care of you, and John, take care of your mother. Uh, and there he is. And this was so impactful, you see, so impactful to the disciples that Peter later on spoke insightfully of what this meant in 1 Peter chapter 2, where he said, He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That's what God is calling on you to do. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to launch an ugly tirade of words. Instead, in gentleness, we act in a way that the world cannot understand because that's how you bring others to Christ when they see that. Now look at the way Jesus' gentleness is displayed at Peter's uh, restoration after his appalling failure. And you know the story here where Peter uh, denied Christ three times. And not only did he not deny him, but he even blasphemed and cursed, indicating he he didn't know any part about this. And so John talks about an incident after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, where Peter is on a boat and Jesus is on a shoreline, and Jesus is preparing breakfast. How about that? Your God is preparing breakfast for you. Uh, And so he calls Peter out of the boat, and Peter jumps out of the boat and comes to shore. And so in a private conversation, only overheard by John, Uh, Jesus says to Peter three times, uh, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. The third time, do you love me? You understand three times because he had denied him three times. And so he needed to understand that in each one of those denials, God was forgiving him. Jesus was gently bringing him back in, gently restoring him. Uh, and, and finally, Jesus said, feed my lambs, be a leader, strengthen your brothers, strengthen this church, be that kind of man that you've been called to do. That is what the gentleness of Christ does. This is how you are to act when you go out into the world, when you meet people who need the love of Christ, who need to be called into salvation. Do it with the gentleness of Jesus, with the love of Jesus in every way. And so you see, with all these teachings uh, and examples of the Lord, it is not surprising that Paul really turned gentleness and humility from being despised qualities into being qualities. That needed to be embraced by us. And so the very thing that the world mocked and abused us of. Paul models it as himself. And he was very much an abused man himself. But he restrained himself. Restraint under power. Restraint under power. Yes, I have the ability to level you. Yes, my tongue can carve you up but under the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, I am restrained because I'm a soldier for Christ and I have a more important mission in my life to bring the lost to you. Now, this needs to be a regular practice in the church. This is how we are meant to live. Sadly, when someone falls down in the church and commits some sin, what do we do? We immediately judge them and reject them and in some cases throw them out rather than gently restore them. Isn't that what God wants you to do? Restore those that have fallen. Reach out to them with gentleness. And so whatever form church discipline takes, uh, my position is that, that Paul would say, it must be done in gentleness. Uh, and so we must be filled with the Spirit of God. Demonstrate this Holy Spirit in every aspect of our life. Paul told Titus to teach his people this. Look at Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Remind the people, remind the people to be ready to do whatever is good. Slander no one. Be peaceable and considerate and always be gentle toward everyone. Church, that's how we are to live. That's how we are to operate. Be be ready to slander no one. If you can't say something good, say nothing. All right? Don't slander anyone uh, and be peaceable. Really be peaceable and be considerate. And in every way, always be gentle towards everyone. How, How important and poignant is it that God gave me this message on Mother's Day? Really. This is the essence of motherhood, as you were gentle with your children as you were gentle with your children's friends, as you reached out and encouraged them and affirmed them. And now you're the mother of the church. You're in this church exhibiting those very qualities. Some of you are biological mothers and others are spiritual mothers. But whatever you are, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And even us men now have this inherent quality of God, gentleness. Let us be gentle in everything we do. Let us let this fruit ripen in our lives so that we can act like Jesus did, so that we can impact the world the way he impacted the world. And let me restrain myself, Lord, even when others reach out against me. Amen, church? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the example of Christ, Father. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you have embedded this quality in our lives, in our heart. And so, Father, I ask you today, as we've done for the past seven weeks, let this fruit blossom. Let it be more apparent in every possible way. Let the world see the difference in me. And let them say, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. Lord, let this message resonate this week in every way. As we put all of this in Jesus Precious name. Amen. Amen, church.